Welcome to Cinema Adventure. We are a movie podcast where every week we sit down and have a discussion about a film. This week, we are watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm your dancing, singing alien host, Aiden Walker. Uh, And I am your fishnet stocking wearing host, Blake Peterson. Is that what the piece of of clothing is called? I think so. Okay, great. You played along with me this time, which was nice. It was hard. I tried really hard. We're joined by a really special guest, uh, Rebecca Gross. Rebecca, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm Rebecca. (laughs) And I'm the editor-in-chief here at The Daily. But it is my first time ever on the UW Daily podcast. <gasps> wow. That's I exciting. It's monumental. Such an honor. You're making history. I'm Truly. very excited about this. Mm-hmm. Like a true Daily celebrity podcast. <laughs> a little nerve-wracking. So <laughs> we had you pick a movie, and you picked Rocky Horror. Why did you pick that? My love for Rocky Horror started when I was 12 going on 13, which is slightly young. Some might say that's slightly yeah. young for the <laughs> material uh, showcased in the film. My mother, luckily, is a little bit eccentric, like me. And she said, hey, what do you want to do for your 13th birthday? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really want to have a party. She said, why don't we have a Rocky Horror Picture Show party at our house? And you can invite whoever you want, and we can all dress up, and we'll provide the costumes, and we'll watch the film in our living room on a projector. And that that happened. We ended up doing it. And so from then on, my love for Rocky Horror only grew you know, of course, to going to the midnight showings as a teenager and wearing the full garb and everything. And I always was Frankenfurter, so <laughs> that was fun. But yeah, so that's sort of why I wanted to talk about my favorite movie. We're happy you picked it. It's such an important movie in the scope of going and participating in a film. The idea of, you know, you go to the theater and you get your popcorn and you watch a movie is, you know, really central to, to mm. loving cinema. But, but Rocky Horror is unique because that theater going experience is so different yeah i have not experienced it i would either. very much like to yeah no it's, i think it's like the longest running movie in film history and like it really is kind of the i think probably the most important midnight movie besides like playing pink flamingos or something but i mean such a like milestone for its time but the fact that it still continues to be so relevant is very impressive Yeah, and I mean, I grew up in L.A. where every weekend there a theater is doing the midnight showing. So it's not a special occasion the way it is here in Seattle. I've looked for these midnight showings, and I think the Neptune does it once a year or so. And I have not been to that, but it's amazing, and it's a great culture. And people dress up like the characters, and, you know, they go up on stage, and they act out scenes, and they bring trinkets with them when it's raining in the film. People have water guns, you know, and they shoot off water. And there's a scene where people get married. People are throwing rice at the screen. <laughs> it's it's amazing. So it's definitely an experience if you haven't had one Got there it. yet. Do you usually bring a lot of props yourself whenever you go to the screenings? I just dress up. I've okay. never I've never done that where I bring props. Also, when you go the first time, people draw V's on your face and red lipstick to stand for virgin, like you're a virgin to uh-huh. the film and. It's just a fun community, and I wouldn't say I'm I'm quite... There are people who go every weekend. You know, I've been a couple of times. There are people who, this is what they do, mm-hmm. and it is their community, and I think that's something that's also really special about the film. Do you want to give a brief plot rundown for the few listeners who probably haven't seen this movie before? It's a little bit challenging because it's just <laughs> such a wild film. You're introduced to these two main characters, 
That's Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, and they are these kind of straight-edge kids, college graduates, um, and they are at their friend's wedding, their mutual friend's wedding. Brad proposes to Janet after the wedding. He's inspired, and they decide that they're going to go visit their mutual friend, Everett Scott, who was also their professor in college. Before you know it, their car has broken down in the rain, and they're knocking on the door of this crazy mansion, having a crazy party, some type of weird sex time warp party, presumably, then they are kind of sucked into this world. It just becomes stranger and stranger. There's some Frankenstein allusions here where um, Dr. Frankenfurter, the master of the mansion, is creating his cute little sex toy for himself. I think that also you start to see Brad and Janet's guard go down and they're um, becoming just enamored with this strange lifestyle. So that's that's the gist of it. The film was released in 1975 and it's based on a play that was performed for the first time in 1973. So hmm. quick I adaptation. I hope I'm not stealing a fun fact from you, but I might be. <laughs> he glances at his paper. We'll Richard O'Brien, who plays Riff Raff in the film, wrote and directed the play originally before mm. it was hmm. turned into a movie. I didn't so know that. Hmm. Anytime you see that funky alien man up on the screen, you know. Wait, is he like the guy who answers the door? Is that He's like the butler okay. person. Yeah. I feel like I don't retain anyone's names. That's I do remember Magenta and Columbia, but that's kind of like the main thing. And I guess Frank Inverter, but. Yeah. Yeah, did not know that he, cause I think, I think through all my fun facts, I was like kind of just copying, pasting all the IMDb stuff. And I kept seeing his <laughs> name and I'm like, who is this O'Brien man? And I just like didn't. Continue to look that up, so. You should have pursued it. Yeah. <laughs> Riff Raff is definitely, I, I wouldn't have guessed that necessarily. His energy feels very comfortable when you're watching it. You know, like it seems like he knows the in and outs of this is what the story's about, this is what my character is supposed to be mm -hmm. like. So that kind of makes sense. He almost seems more at home in the castle than Frankenfurter. He well, gives off a good vibe. Am I allowed to give spoilers on this? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then at the end, we find out that Frankenfurter, Magenta, and Riff Raff, the people that live in the mansion, are actually from transsexual, a planet in the galaxy of Transylvania. Riff Raff sort of like overthrows Frankenfurter. And he's like, you're a fraud. This is a failure. We're going home. And they like <laughs> their whole mansion just like takes off and goes back to the planet. It's kind of funny to know that he actually is the person that wrote it. And he gave himself the role that does that, that mm. like overthrows the master. Yeah. And I'm so curious to think like what was going through his head like when he wrote this. Because this is such a bonkers idea for a movie in general. So I just like would love to know like the entire process of writing this. Sounds like a lot space? of drugs to me. I a don't lot know. of drugs. Yeah. No, it's very, this movie's like very, very 70s. I feel like I'd read that he was mad that, like, there's a scene where Brad and Janet are driving and, like, Richard Nixon's on the radio or something. And they were mad that that was included because they wanted the movie to seem timeless. But I feel like even without that, it's so distinctly 70s that I just don't think it really matters. It's not even just like what what it looks like or what what the people talk like. It's the music, the style of music oh, that they're yeah. singing. It's so glam rock. Also, total, it's totally glam rock. Yeah, took oh, the words yeah. right out of my mouth. Yeah, <laughs> did I forget to mention this is a musical? Yeah, <laughs> this is oh, a musical. I, I think uh, <laughs> I think it was implied. <laughs> hopefully implied. I feel like people who even if they haven't seen it, they hopefully know it's a musical. If not, you know they're in for likely a people who big haven't seen surprise. it who watch it will be surprised at how many of the songs they know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up dancing at bar and bat mitzvahs to Time Warp 
<laughs> Let's do, do the time warp again. again. Yeah, so that's good. the first time we've all done singing together. Yeah, Harm- didn't harmonizing. That's that was good. very that's good. Really that is like called ABBA. harmonizing. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> or did you say we're like ABBA? <laughs> Hopefully, that's kind of the goal here. It's <laughs> <laughs> very generous. Yeah. No, but like, yeah, the songs are so infectious. Like, time warp is just automatically classic. I kind of think it remains stuck in your head more than any of the other songs, but that's really great. I think this Sweet Transvestite song is obviously pretty outdated for the most part. Oh, just yeah. Just such an outdated term, like, watching it. I was like, oh, boy. But that's also very catchy. Just the way all these songs are performed. It's very infectious, the energy that performers bring. Were you a virgin to this movie? No, I've seen it, okay. I think, two other times, maybe. Both just, like, alone in my room, all sad on my laptop. <laughs> and and I watched that a couple days ago. I watched it a couple days ago like that. And mm-hmm. I think that's just the worst way to watch it. Because having <laughs> had the experience of being with other people and, like, singing the songs together, mm-hmm. you know, it, it really does kind of encapsulate the cult classic name like that's what it is it is such a cult classic it's nothing else i really got to the movie at least when i've watched in the past i always think that it like loses a little bit of steam at least more toward the end but i figure if you're in like a big fun audience that probably wouldn't even happen because you're just so caught Mm -hmm. up in the atmosphere yeah whenever scott shows up i'm like "Mm." (laughs) i'm kind of like it lags a little Mm. bit for sure oh totally like 98 minutes feels a little long for a movie this conceptually large i say i guess but I think there's more singing than dialogue in the movie. Yeah, the singing definitely serves as a tool to to move the storyline along. It, and it's wild. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't really stop or particularly slow down except for the part when Janet and Scott, is it Scott? Is it Janet one? Brad? Is Brad. It Brad? Oh, yeah. Scott. Well, Scott is well, Scott the is the the doctor in the wheelchair. Oh, okay. So there mm-hmm. is a yeah. Scott. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when uh, Janet and Brad are sleeping in their different rooms and Frankenfurter shows up to uh, <laughs> But that part's you know, so funny. To jump so on weird. both of them. It's the only part where it like really kind of feels like it slows down. I, I it's hilarious. <laughs> I do love that bit. But, yeah. yeah. I just love yeah. that uh, I just love that Frankenfurter is and, and I do think the term transvestite is obviously an outdated term. Uh-huh. However, the fact that there he's a transvestite from transsexual Transylvania yeah. is like funny kind of regardless of time. And I was speaking with a friend about this recently and he was telling me like his mom like hates the movie and thinks it's like really ridiculous and stupid and just like gross. He was like, but what she doesn't get about it is that because he, he's a gay man and he said what she doesn't get about it is that like when I watched this movie as a young teenager, this was like a way for me to feel like I could fit in with a whole mm. subculture of like queer people. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. Cause I didn't necessarily relate to it in that way. I just thought it was like an interesting, colorful film. But mm. I think that that's also a cool aspect of it. That was totally like in the seventies, you didn't have movies like this that were so like accepting of all sexualities and were celebratory of kind of expressing yourself in any way possible. It's so unabashed in everything that it does so that's very impressive and i think maybe as modern audiences we forget that movies as over the top as this you know 40 years ago weren't as common these kinds of things were just kind of getting started and becoming part of the culture rather than being kind of just set in stone when you both watched it did you watch it with the original like color opening or did you watch it with the the alternate black and white oh i've heard about the Uh, alternate i I watched it with the color do they show it in color at the screenings I believe so. It's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it the first time last year in color, but this time 
my friend who watched it with me both times loves Rocky Horror. He has it on Blu-ray. It's got all the like special features Ooh. and everything. So he came over and he was like, I've never watched the black and white opening. Do you want to try that? I said, uh -huh. yeah, let's do it. Black and white opening is awesome. I highly recommend it. It's like it the Wizard of really It's cool. like the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. It's the, when? the whole beginning it goes all the way like from the wedding to they're lost in the car, all the flashbacks with the the crime wow. investigator guy, that's all black and white. But then the second they open the doors into the mansion and you get the first beat of time warp is when it goes into okay. color. Okay. So actually I can clarify for sure the the screenings in person do color all the way because I've never seen that. That's crazy. It's awesome. Really cool. I highly recommend That's that cool. version. If you I heard like it. some like diehards are like annoyed about it though because I guess in the screenplay it's supposed to be like black and white concept. It was going to be uh, Frank Inverter's lips would be red and then the color would expand outward and I guess they a lot of fans are mad because studios kind of kept it but instead of like doing that kind of high concept it just like is color just automatically and they were like that's lazy during Why the not time do? warp yeah they were mm. like hoping it would be kind of the more yeah um, it would have been better if the lips were red at the beginning they be are so black cool. and white which is unfortunate well actually doesn't the time warp scene happen before yeah, frankenfurter shows up the first time Yes, but at the very beginning of oh, the movie, before the, the movie opens, song. there's just the there's just the close up right. before even the wedding of so just we're, the we're lips talking that about are talking. The, the science fiction double feature. Science fiction <laughs> double feature. I love that opening also. Me too. Just I the do too. Lips on the screen is such a great visual. I mean, I could have even seen, you know, not to argue about what the studio should have and shouldn't have done, but uh -huh. I could have seen that opening still having the red lips, but then all the Brad and Janet parts. Because it's kind of this, and this is sort of what I meant of like, as the film goes on, you see Janet and Brad start to like loosen up and become like sexually free and all this other, um, just kind of become free people. I think that like showing their lives in black and white and then color is, is an interesting tactic. No, I think it'd be very effective. I'd be curious to watch that. Is it only available like as a special feature on the um, DVD? I couldn't tell you. Uh, I think so. Wow. All right. We're going to huh. have to hunt for that, I guess. Yeah. Just for that. Got to get it on Blu-ray. <laughs> it looks great. That's huh. cool. Interesting. I really enjoy the... It's like, is he a narrator? That random guy, he reminds me of like that... He's like a newscaster in Plan 9 from Outer Space who's just like kind <laughs> of narrating the movie, but like there's not really a reason why. So he's, he's a detective. He's oh, a, he's a detective? He's a detective because he's telling you the case of how Frankenfurter and the other people in the mansion were killed. Oh, okay. He's trying to figure, yeah, he's figuring it out. I guess, you know, it kind of leaves the door open. We don't really know what happens to Brad and Janet and mm -hmm. Everett Scott after they get out. Because yeah, they kind true. of get out, right? They like, get out at the end. Yeah, I mean, they do, but then also, like, the mansion takes off. <laughs> so they could die. Like, I really don't know. Oh, and the, I, guess, I guess I think we watched... What I think the version we watched also had a couple of scenes that were included. It was something, but as the castle's taking off, Brad and Janet are on the ground and they just kind of get covered in soot from the what? rockets and they're okay. Yeah, I don't know if that's well, in the no, the, no, version. I've seen that's in the the version, but like, do they die eventually? No, right? Like, I don't think so. No. We I think assume they're fine. I think there's like a sequel, so I think. I think oh yeah, there is it. a sequel. I yeah. was reading about that. Shock I've never treatment. seen it. Yeah, I wonder apparently if it's, good. it's horrible. Really? Apparently, some people really love it, just like this movie. Really? That's <laughs> interesting. Hmm. I'd be curious because I like no. I think it. I'm not positive, but I think it's like 
a television satire maybe and like the whole message is like well mainstream audiences wouldn't understand so like the joke is like if you didn't like it then you just didn't understand it apparently yeah. shock treatment so. apparently is all about reality tv but oh. it was made in the 80s so it was really before there wow. was serious reality tv and apparently mm. it predicted a lot of stuff wow i was reading about this last night because i was very interested uh-huh. and uh turns out it's out of print so you can't <sighs> watch it on physical media really you can't stream it anywhere, but I did see a version of it on YouTube floating <gasps> around. So. I'm going to have to wow. check that out. It sounds like it's very like Simpsons-esque if it predicts so many things. I'm very curious. I'm, huh. I mean, I'm just interested. When I was reading about it, I read that it wasn't, and maybe it drew a different audience than Rocky Horror did in, in a way. Like, yeah. it wasn't necessarily like, because I think that people who are diehard Rocky Horror fans, like, are so just into the, the vibe of yeah. that, that it might be a different energy, but... Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen thing. Shock Treatment. Even now, I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who loves Rocky Horror <laughs> right. because there's no way your expectations are going to be met. Yeah, if you're I somebody think, who like loves Rocky Horror, have you seen that's, it? That's billed as somewhat of a sequel to Rocky Horror. You're not going to like it. I feel like once you've seen a movie, I mean, so many people have seen Rocky Horror. Like, I mean, you've seen it like 30 times. You said yeah. so. It's like I feel like if you've seen it that many times, like it almost becomes like a part of you so much that anything that expands on what you've kind of latched onto, like it's just never gonna be as satisfying. Yeah, and I mean, once you've seen it as many times as I have, you start to notice like these cool, fun, weird continuity things. Mm. Like in the wedding scene, when Brad and Janet are, uh, their friends are sort of leaving right after getting married, you see two people in like American Gothic style with the pitchforks and you realize that that's Riff Raff and Magenta. <laughs> and then in between them is Tim Curry's character and I think Columbia joins in somewhere during that song as well. The the damn it Janet scene, um, <laughs> as I like to call it. But there's like weird things like that placed throughout the whole film. That's also a Wizard of Oz thing. Yeah. Uh, really? All, uh, yeah. All of all of the characters at the wedding are almost all of them apparently are extras and oh. feature in some way. Uh, in the rest of the movie, just like at the beginning of Wizard of Oz, all the characters she runs into are the Scarecrow later or right. the Tin Man. Totally. Interesting. It's this fantasy world, Frankfurter's castle. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I really, during that, the church scene, also saw, like, I don't know if either one of you saw, like, the microphone, like, really quickly, like, at the top of the screen yeah. kind of plopped down. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, funny to me. I, like, I think it was, like, on purpose, but I really don't it? know. That's what I was, because I was, like, thinking, like, this has to be on purpose or something, because the movie's just so cheeky that it wouldn't be out of place, necessarily. I would believe anything they told I really me. Would. If they were like, oh, that looks like a mistake. I'd be like, no, 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 it's just part of the, it's <laughs> yeah. part yeah. of the aesthetic. I'd be like, yeah, yeah. Okay, of course, of course it is. <laughs> I mean, there are just so many fabulous parts that are like that to talk about. I just don't even, my mind is like, where do I go? But, you know, <laughs> the end where he's like climbing up the radio tower, there's all these illusions. You know, we were talking about Wizard of Oz. We were talking about uh, Frankenstein. And then there's the King Kong reference where he's like mm. climbing up this radio tower. Uh, Rocky does. Frankenfurter's creation is climbing up, holding Frankenfurter. And then they fall off of the radio tower into the pool below them. And <laughs> everyone joins them and their makeup is bleeding. And it's like, you know, on one hand, it's like, what were they thinking? But on the other hand, they really are borrowing from a lot of mm. popular cultural references. No, yeah, it feels like a total send of just kind of almost old Hollywood. It reminds me so much of like John Waters' early movies where it's almost just like an old Hollywood soap opera or like an old sci-fi movie, but just like put through like a Christmas tree chipper. <laughs> like it's just so outlandish, but you still see so many of the, you know, attributes. I don't even know, like there's like the part where Columbia's yelling at Frankenfurter 
I think toward the end of the movie, it just reminded me of like a showdown or something in like a Joan Crawford movie. Like it's just very overwrought, just like a lot of the things in this movie are. Hey Blake. Yes. Let's hear some fun facts again. That was so beautiful, wow. Thanks. But yeah, I'll give you some fun facts. Thank you. Um, This was Tim Curry's film debut, which is exciting. You would never know. He's just like an instant star, obviously. This was number one for him. He's also so beautiful in this film. Film So great in this. Film Uh. one. That's true. But I guess, I mean, he was in the stage play, right? So he has, he's very, this character's part of him. So I guess translating, it's probably not too big of a deal for him. But he's the best. Was this a British play? I think so. I think it was predominantly British, and I think, like, when American studios wanted it, like, that was part of the deal. It's like, you can keep all these British people, but Brad and Janet have to be American actors. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so pretty much British. So according to interviews, uh, Patricia Quinn, who plays Magenta, only took the role in the first place because she really loved the opening song, uh, the science fiction double feature. And so she was mad because she didn't end up getting to sing the song in the movie, but she's the one who lip syncs the words as like the pair of red lips and then I guess the vocals are done by Richard O'Brien so that's interesting and kind of complicated. Mm. In the scene where Barry Bostwick pounds his fist on the table he accidentally pounded Susan Sarandon's hand and so her reaction is real and then later on when she steps on his foot with a spike heel that was like on accident but who really knows the truth with that. (laughs) Um, There are a lot of easter eggs in the movie and I guess uh, literal Easter eggs because I during filming they had kind of like a Easter egg hunt <laughs> on set and I guess not all of them were found and so if you ever see an egg those were just like the remnants of whichever wasn't picked up. This film is like way weirder than I thought it was. <laughs> That's so good. That well, is really good. I'd almost look like a documentary of just like on the set footage what that was yeah. like. Because <laughs> you hear that and then some of the other things I think I write later stuff that makes it sound like it was simultaneously terrible so... I don't know what that experience was like. Tim Curry in the original play started out playing Dr. Frankenfurter with a German accent, but he had heard a woman on a bus speaking in highly exaggerated, like a high English accent. And so he combined that with the voices mom used when she would like greet people on the telephone. What? And that was kind of the way he would talk, which I love the way he talks in this movie. It's so it's great. I would love that narration for anything. Every audiobook I ever download, that would be really cool. Um, Steve Martin originally auditioned for Brad, which I'm kind of glad that didn't happen because I think Steve Martin would be too much in on the joke. I think Barry Boswick does a good job of like oh, yeah. seeming kind of naive. So that's good. Vincent Price was offered the role of the criminologist, but he couldn't do it because of scheduling conflicts. But he was bummed because he really loved the musical. Wish that would have been so good if Vincent Price were in this. That would be like the icing on the cake. The studio originally offered a much larger budget to Jim Sharman, who directed the movie, but it was like part of the condition that he was gonna like cast popular musicians and like they would write songs for it. And he was like, no, I want it to be as faithful to the play as possible. So it was like the compromise was casting Susan Sarandon and Barry Bostwick, who were. Not really established, but they were easier to get because they were American. Susan Sarandon doesn't ever want to talk about the movie because she's mad that no one gets royalties from DVD sales. <laughs> wow, that's, that's a great. That's actually like, damn, she would have made so so much, much money. money. Yeah, so I could I could see that bitterness. But also, like, haven't her and Barry Boswick made like a like huge amount of money since? Like, I would like think in so. general, yeah, they've Susan just Sarandon, done a lot of work. She's huge. 
yeah. don't know. But man, imagine how much richer you'd be if you got money from that. Filming took place at the Oakley Court in Windsor, England, which is the same location used for movies like The Brides of Dracula. And now The Screaming Starts, The Old Dark House, and Murder by Death, which I think... And it was also used for Murder a lot of... Murder by death? I think it's a... Um, I want to say I'm not positive, but I think it's like an Agatha Christie whodunit spoof. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't quote me, but I think that's what it is. Kill, and I think it was used... me to death, bro. <laughs> Honestly. I think it was used for a lot of, uh, like, Hammer Horror movies, too. But once again, not positive, so don't think that is totally true. Patricia Quinn's hair was dyed every day through... They just, like, sprayed her hair with this red paint, but, like, didn't actually dye it, so... R.I.P. to her hair. And then my last fact is that Charmin asked O'Brien to write a part for Marion Faithful, uh, the singer. But O'Brien refused. And that was probably, I feel like Marion Faithful was having a very, like, a big rough patch, like, during the time this movie was made. So that was probably a good thing. So I think she would have probably caused a lot of problems on set. But yeah, those are all my fun facts. I have an extra fun fact. <gasps> you missed one. What was it? I missed a lot. They're, the list is so I'm sure long. it's absolutely it's crazy. gigantic. <laughs> I spotted one and I went, ooh, I wonder. Um, <laughs> the character Eddie, who is murdered uh, mm-hmm. v- uh, via ice pick. <laughs> yeah, meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meatloaf, who's killed with an ice pick by... By our, our good friend, Brandon Furter. <laughs> he has tattoos on his fingers that say, on one hand, love, and the other hand, hate, which is a reference to Robert Mitchum's character, Harry Powell, in The Night of the Hunter. Wow. Which is a movie we've talked Does about. Does he actually have, like, are those real tattoos? I do not think wonder. So. Okay. I just love that I hope a, not. a performer, like a, a decently recent performer is named Meatloaf and, like, was successful. That's really, you know, laudable. I'm very I... excited about it. Meatloaf, or the, sorry, the Eddie character is my least favorite part of the film. No, I have he's to so say. he's so pointless for the most part. I, mean, I, I he kind of yeah. is part of the plot, but like no, it, it's like well, you start to realize like Eddie was the creation just before Rocky. Yeah, and then like the creation before Eddie was Columbia. Mm-hmm. I think is that am I? Oh, really? am I, yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> well, if you've seen it enough, I think I'm right. Yeah. Uh, you know, any listeners, feel free to correct me here. But um, Yes, email so, her, not us. Yes, email me, editor at dailyudub.com. You're so brave. <laughs> um, no, and I mean, from what I understand, Eddie was the creation, and then Columbia was, like, in love with Eddie. Oh. But then Columbia at the end says to Frank and Frederick, like, I loved you, I loved you, like, why wasn't I enough for you? Like, you had to go and make Eddie. So it's, I don't know if she was a creation or if, like, they were just in love and then like he like ditched her for his mm-hmm. own creations, his own like sex slaves. Yeah, makes you wonder. I guess when he crashes through all like they forgot to make like a door to like open when he crashed, so he literally like crashes through a wall. Oh my god, <laughs> what? Actually? So that's fun. Yeah. Another fun fact. Another fun fact. Very fun. If I have any more, who knows? Maybe I'll sprinkle some more in throughout any extra discussions. <laughs> just speaking of characters like Eddie showing up and just being just so wild and confusing. Yeah. I have had the same thing happen to me both the times that I've seen this film where there's about 40 minutes left mm-hmm. and we get to just before the point when they sit down to have dinner and they're eating Eddie. Ew, uh, that's the worst. The worst. And that's the worst. it's right, right before that. And I've, I think I turned and I was watching with my same friend and I think I turned to him both times and said, how did we get here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm confused. So much has happened except almost nothing has happened and we're here and they're all in bed and it's just wild. Right. So I enjoy the movie a lot, but I'm always confused as to how everything happened. And I know I've just seen it. Yeah. I've just witnessed it, but I still go, wow, 
How? What? <laughs> no, it's yeah. true. But you could like blink and miss so much. Oh yeah. No way. Don't don't close your eyes. <laughs> don't even think about you gotta it. Got to get into one of those. Don't uh, even try it. <laughs> I think that the and I was just like you know kind of trying to look at my notes to to get a sense here of like exactly how we get to that point. It's like when Everett Scott shows up is the weird part. It's like, well, how does he know? And then Everett Scott is uh, Brad and Janet's uh, professor, but he's also Eddie's uncle. But if <laughs> Eddie is the creation of Frankenfurter, then how does Eddie have an uncle? It's a slight wow. plot hole, I think. <laughs> I'm sure that there's a way you could argue for it all being explained as being confusing because any number of reasons. They're aliens. They're aliens. There's just a lot. You know. There's so much going on. You could probably say the movie and it's, uh, or the play slash movie and its creator is trying to say something about the confusing nature of gender in general. You could probably yeah. extrapolate oh. a ton of stuff. Interesting. That's deep. Some, uh, some, some symbolism here. I, I, you know what? I don't believe my own words. I doubt that that's true. I mean, it's possible. I'm sure that there are who people knows? who would argue that. Yeah. My, my favorite scene maybe my favorite scene in the film is right after Everett Scott arrives and Janet has just been sleeping with uh, Rocky, Frankenfurter's creation. And because um, she sees on the camera that her or her fiance had just slept with Frankenfurter and she's like, Brad, how could you? <laughs> and then she like goes for Rocky and then she stands up with Rocky and Everett Scott, Frankenfurter, and Brad are all standing there and they go, there's this like famous scene that's Janet, Dr. Scott, Brad, Rocky. Oh, and they do it like four times. <laughs> and I think it's so funny and perfect. And uh, then all of a sudden they're like eating dinner and it's meatloaf. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> or is that done too? There, I feel there's like a scene in like Shrek 2 like that. I was too. just like, about they, to say that. That must homage. be homage. Yeah. It's gotta be. No, I love that too. It's so funny. I just like crack up every time because they, it's like they're all really surprised to see each other for for the right reasons like uh, they should not all be there <laughs> and yet they yeah. are <laughs> well that and then i love obviously like the anticipation but like the way he spaces that out is such a i love that joke it's so dumb yeah <laughs> so oh no it's great it's classic and then and you see janet's face like uh waiting <laughs> yeah and you just get that that audio of just that <gasps> yeah i've yeah, done that in texts before like if people are like late for something you'll try like I'm just sick with all this anticipation, and then you just like do a space and then send it. And I think you've keep... done that to me. Have I? Yeah, you're well, there you go. It kind One of, of the victims. It reminds me of uh, How I Met Your Mother when uh, <laughs> this is like a stupid reference, but um, <laughs> when what's his name Barney always goes legend. Wait for it, dairy. <laughs> it's like that. It's the same thing. I wish he would do it like the same way as they do anticipation, just the long <laughs> break. Yeah. There is just like so much to talk about that oh, yeah. I'm like, what did I miss? Yeah. Like what what little nooks and crannies of this film did we not discuss? Yeah. There's I mean, like... the last scene. We didn't really discuss the last scene besides <laughs> the King Kong homage. But like they literally get what what they call Medusa, which is basically like frozen and turned into stone. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then they get re they get moved and put, get uh, boa constrictors put on them, like not the real snakes, you know, the like... A feather boa. The feather boas, yes. And then they get like dressed up and made up and all this stuff. And then they like sing this amazing song. <laughs> oh my God, I love that it's song. so much. <laughs> favorite favorite uh, quote of that song is when Brad says, help me, mommy. <laughs> I really like that. 
It's just no. It's just fabulous. That's all. That's really all yeah. I have to add. It's just fabulous. It's just fabulous. I yeah. forgot about the Medusa thing. Is there like is it an actual machine? Because I feel like I would just see like Frankenfurter look and they would just be stone. No, there was a the machine. There's a big like a, uh, a big power switch that like would a get lever. Flipped. Yes, a big lever. <laughs> yeah. So funny. That's a thing. You know, every every time there well not every time but several times in this movie they'll have a cut but instead of the cut just being a straight cut the whole screen will shift over entirely <laughs> to the next scene or there will be an actual like black and white lightning bolt will go down the middle oh, yeah. of the screen the screen will split in half like the movie plays with so much it's just so odd and it's so aware that it is a movie that it mm -hmm. can play with with those kind of things like it'll cut weirdly or there'll yeah. be bits where frankenfurter is so very obviously looking directly into the camera that yeah but you yeah. don't care you don't mind because you know that they know i love when they break that wall i really do mm. i think it's so great i mean it's not only the investigator it's also like the professor does it a couple times it just it's amazing yeah they they're really self-aware except i don't think brad and janet ever are really that self-aware and i think that that is really cool mm. it's like this trick being played on them almost to get them to loosen up and like figure out their lives. They're supposed yeah. to be us. They're the surrogates <laughs> for the audience. Yeah, it's great. Without, if, if they were aware of what was going on, this movie would not be fun. Mm -mm. It would be really weird. Yeah. Not that it isn't already really weird. Right. But. No, I wonder how I would act if I were in their situation. Because I feel like you watch it and you're like, oh God, they're so square. But I feel like I'd probably seem very square as well if I were plopped into that castle. So, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. No Maybe concern. you'd surprise yourselves. That's true. I'll like, just fit in. The way that Brad and Janet did. Right you away. have to just kind of assimilate quickly and become one of the people who stands in the rafters with the <laughs> colorful hats and the fun sunglasses and just kind of cheer mm -hmm. at everything. That's true. Yeah. And I love that they're like watching everything. Those people are like they're mm. like it's a zoo or something <laughs> or like a play. Like, you know, they're yeah. when Brad and Janet get there, it's almost like a planned Thing. Like yeah. that's what the intention was and they're like, ooh, the subjects are here and <laughs> I love when Brad and Janet are like taking steps back at the same time during time warp. Like they're like backing up because they're scared. I just think <laughs> that's so funny and yeah. great and awesome. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see too just like what is what is the castle like just on a day to day basis when there's not a lot of shenanigans going on. Hmm. What do they do to pass the time? I always wonder. You know, Frankenfurter probably makes experiments and yeah. it Wonderful. is weird that he's his father and like his like sex buddy yeah like, that's, that's weird. A weird weird relationship in general also like rocky's abs really freak me out i just want to throw that they're like too they, they're so like rock hard they seem fake yes it's just as terrifying <laughs> he shredded I do wonder, I think I read somewhere a long time ago, I could be, again, totally wrong, that um, he was actually like a bodybuilder and he wasn't an actor. Well, I believe it. He doesn't really and have to do much acting. He doesn't so. say anything really until he, he sings a little bit at the end. Which I think he was dubbed too, so like what did he do? <laughs> he, just he was dubbed, up. really? I think so, yeah. It's possible. Like an Australian well, I think singer. that they probably chose him based on his abs. Probably, yeah, because those are the most terrifying abs I've ever seen, so... I believe it. Yeah, when Janet is like, I don't like men with too many muscles, I'm like, I can relate. That would be really intense. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, we'll do some final thoughts. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty obvious. Yeah. Would you like to start or would you like us to start? You can start. Okay, we'll go around a little circle. I'll start. I think it was a really fun movie. I think you should not do what Blake did. You should absolutely watch it with your friends. Preferably a group of maybe five or more people. Wow. Get yeah, that room filled up. I would up. say so. Snacks? 
Mm, definitely. definitely. Drinks, if you got them. <laughs> uh, you know, make sure it's a, it's, it's a shindig. If you've got a costume, put it on. This is a movie you're supposed to watch with, with your people. Yeah, no, I also think it's a lot of fun. I think it, like, definitely kind of slows down on legs a little bit toward the end. But other than that, it's just very, very fun and has such an exuberant personality that I think even if you are like me and you're sadly watching it alone on your laptop, it's still, <laughs> you still manage to have a pretty good time. So yeah, I highly recommend it. Definitely, It's one of those like culturally important movies that even though like some aspects of it have aged, it is still a pretty thrilling, fun experience. Like the first times I watched it, I definitely thought about it as like just this fun, crazy, wacky film to watch with friends. And I think it still totally is and can be, but you know, exploring those like homages and the like continuity, the interesting, you know, double characters and things like that. That's just like something you have to do after you've seen the film a few times. So definitely do that. And if you're like me, listen to the soundtrack when you're walking from place to place because it is a fun one to look at the world to. Did you end up seeing the Laverne Cox version? No, and I think I have to now. I have not. Seen I've heard it. it's very, very bad. Oh, yeah. really? I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to well, see it. Well, I, I think know. it's directed by Kenny Ortega, who did the High School Musical movies, and I feel like he's just Yikes. so wrong also, for this sort of material. It would also just be interesting because of who Laverne Cox is and like yeah. the political yeah. kind of just things around her, and I just don't know that. You know, I mean, this movie is is by nature, I don't think, a political movie. I think yeah. it could be if you're, like, really trying to look for that. But I don't think that was the intention in any way, really. Mm-hmm. If, you know, only to provide, like, a community for people in that yeah. way. So yeah. I, it might be weird to see that. Who knows? Maybe we'll do an episode on that and just see how it compares. Maybe we'll have to watch it and then just mention it sometime in the future. Yeah. We'll see. yeah. There you go. All right. Well, uh I do. Recom- ha- oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just gonna say I do have a couple recommendations. Oh, well, go ahead. <laughs> um, so I, I had this is such a niche movie. I had a lot of trouble, to be honest, thinking oh, of yeah. what to recommend people to watch. I was kind of going through my like favorite movies and why I like them and why I like this one. And I was thinking Beetlejuice is a pretty oh, yeah. good film, a, a comparable film. It's like has some music to it. Also, it has that like supernatural kind of ghost thing, underworld, whatever. So I was thinking that one. Also, if you're looking for something a little darker, but also like has that fantastic otherworldly feeling, I was thinking some uh, Kubrick with Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. I was actually going to make a Kubrick reference earlier. Wow. uh, But then I I got cut (laughs) off so rudely. (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, we mentioned, you know, don't blink because you'll miss something in this movie. I was going to say they should strap you into a Clockwork Orange type chair and hold your your eyes open. You don't miss anything. That's kind of meta now that I've recommended (laughs) Clockwork Orange. That's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah. Don't watch these two movies on the same night. Or if you do, watch Rocky Horror after Clockwork Orange so you can cheer up. Clockwork Orange is a lot. It is. Wow. It is a lot. Yeah. All right. Good. So, Are those your recommendations? Yeah. So Beetlejuice and Clockwork Orange. Those are mine. There you go. Good recommendations. So I went with one movie, which I didn't realize, but I, I guess uh, when they first released this, they did a double feature with it. And they did it with Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise, which is basically just Phantom of the Opera, but like reimagined as a rock musical. And it's <laughs> really good and really underrated. Um, I enjoy it a lot. It's such an anomaly in De Palma's 
filmography. Like, it's unlike anything he's ever done. But I think if you liked this, you'll certainly like that one. It's a lot more, like, theatrical and dark, but similarly good, strong music as well. I also... There's, like, this really weird cartoon omnibus movie from 1981 called Heavy Metal, and it's basically all these vignettes that are, like, set to really popular metal tracks from the 80s. It's almost like, it reminds me of, like, Disney's Fantasia, but if rock bands were the music, I guess, and if the animation was really bizarre. But that one's a lot of fun. I think comparably strange, but has a, rock is very key to its identity. All right, what are your recommendations? Oh, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny that you mentioned... It's funny that you mentioned Phantom of the Paradise. Is that what it's called, or Phantom of Paradise? Phantom of the Paradise. Phantom of the Paradise. Because <laughs> one of my recommendations is the Phantom of the Opera. Wow, there uh, you go. Because I think it has, you know, kind of a similar... Well, I recommended the 2004 one, which I was looking up, because I haven't seen it in probably 10 years. <laughs> and I was looking up, and it's reviewed terribly. Yeah. That's funny. Is it I've bad? I've never seen it. I haven't seen it. I, don't, I, I haven't seen it either. I loved it as a kid, and me and my best friend Hunter would watch it all the time, and we would sing all the songs together. Interesting. It was the best. We loved it. So, <laughs> you know, if you're into wow. that, I'd watch, I'd watch the Phantom <laughs> of the Opera. Uh, just because it's a musical, and it's it's dark, and it's got such memorable music in the mm. same way that, uh, that this one does. And then the other movie I'm going to recommend, but also not recommend, is The Room. Mm. Um, I'd say do not watch this movie alone the same way that you would watch Rocky Horror alone uh, just because it's such a cult classic and it's the kind of movie that apparently is really fun to go see in a big crowd and they have the same kind of things they throw spoons at the screen for some reason uh, yeah what does that connect they, to in the I, plot? I don't even remember not a clue I, don't know. <laughs> I have not a clue Who can it's say? a bad film but also it's really bad cult, cult wise not bad. Yeah, so like I, I'm not. Recomm- I don't think it's anywhere near on par with Rocky Horror right. at all. I'm just recommending it because it has this similar following yeah. that has mm-hmm. these kind of uh, group traditions <laughs> yeah. surrounding it. Totally. Yeah. And you know, I I didn't want to make this recommendation for myself because I haven't seen this film. I've seen the play, but I've heard that like Little Shop of Horrors is another one that's mm. really comparable and similar and also has i think they do the cult classic show yeah, thing like they so do too. it in theaters yeah yeah the movie's really fun it's that has so Steve fun Martin in it, and that's yeah great movie well rebecca thank you very much for joining us yeah, thank you so much thank you both for having me this was a great so time exciting. hey maybe Wonderful next time. time we can uh discuss the what is it what's the sequel called is it oh, shock treatment shock treatment oh, yeah. maybe i'll make a you know a second appearance maybe on cinema adventure oh sounds Let's like you want to come back <laughs> Maybe. So uh, if you want to hear more of us talking about movies, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Android, and our website, uwpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at The Filmcast, or you can find us on our personal accounts at Aiden Walkerow or at Blake W. Peterson. Where can they find you on Twitter? At Bex Gross. That's (laughs) B-E-C-S-G-R-O-S-S. That was intense. If you want to write to us with a suggestion for a movie to watch or you want to share your thoughts on something we've talked about, you can reach us at cinemadventurepodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow along with us next Monday, we're going to be talking about the Christopher Nolan film Memento with our uh, returning guest, Celia Schleckaway. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.
Did you know Peruvians have their own type of Chinese food? Or that Vietnamese food is heavily influenced by French cuisine? Have you ever wondered what other cultures' drunk food is like? Explore these topics and more right here on the Soundbite Network. My name is Dee Dee Madigan, and I'm the host of Home Plates, a podcast all about food. Catch up on the first season of Home Plates on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. New episodes air every Wednesday. Seattle Seahawks have the best offensive line in NFL history. Kyle Seeger is the better Seeger brother. Markel Fultz is the best player on the Sixers. Hashtag trust the process. Okay, we don't actually believe any of these things, but if you want to hear our thoughts on topics like these, tune into the Boxing Podcast with Chris Ankiko, Alec Dietz, and Andy Amashta every Friday on the Soundbite Network. For more like this and other great shows covering sports, science, relationships, and the arts, visit the Soundbites website, uwpodcast.com. That's uwpodcast.com.